Welcome to the 3v3 Podcast, your socially distanced hockey chat show. Here are your hosts, Cassie, Pat, and Patrick. After the comings, after the comings and goings and wins and losses of series, I think there's only one appropriate question to start this week off. Who cares? No, Patrick. Are you subwoofer guy? I am not the only subwoofer guy, and it is not a subwoofer, ladies and gentlemen. I have a pair of sure in-ear monitors that I have uh, Bluetooth adapters for that I use for listening to things. Something that someone that works in, say, the audio industry and, would be sympathetic towards. And it doesn't even have to be something that high-end. I mean, mine are fairly high-end. Um, of course. By fairly, I mean ridiculously high-end. Um, mm-hmm. Sure <laughs> they are. Sure <laughs> they are. Sorry. I'm done. I got it on yeah. my system. I <clears> left <throat> it right there for you, and you just decided to tap it right over the line, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Um, just like Nick Paul. That's what I was going to say. You, you'll get the credit for the goal, but I did all the work. Um, mm-hmm. Any in-ear buds that have any decent drivers in them, you're going to hear thudding when somebody hits the desk, which the microphone is sitting on, <laughs> and it shakes right the hell up the damn microphone. Do, do you know why they have those big springy things in professional radio studios? It's so that guys can hit the desk without hearing boom, boom, boom. So 30 Helens agree that all SDP microphones should have shock mounts on them so that those boys can hit the desks. The microphones are connected to all they want without me having to hear, okay? I am not the only subwoofer guy. (laughs) I'm not the first one to complain and I will not be the last one to complain. I don't care. I don't care when they do the stuff in the microphone, like, you know, that kind of stuff. That's whatever. It's the the microphone hits. It's it's the hitting the table that the mic's on. There was an episode and and see, you pulled the damn cord on me, Pat, and you got me going. There was an (laughs) episode. The rant continues. God damn right. Rob Paulson who famously voices Yakko Warner and Pinky and many, many, many others. He's had a prolific career. Um, had a podcast called Talking Tunes where he'd just take his microphone and go over to the voice actor's friend's house. Well, he did an episode with John DiMaggio and John kept hitting the table. And that's all you could hear because the mic was just sitting on the table and John had hit that table and you'd hear it. And it was so bad that Rob went on Twitter and said, I really apologize. You know, I, I've got a microphone shock mount that I'll be using going forward. Because it was just him sitting at a table with a single omnidirectional mic, right? And, you know, normally people just, but people just sit there and talk, but you get the expressive ones who like to hit things when they talk. So 
he knew to get a shock mount. I want to take those podcasts and do a do a super cut of all the mic hits and put them through um put them through some of my audio filters and make them ridiculously bassy and then just post it back to them. This is what you sound like. <laughs> okay, I'm done ranting. Thank you. Deep breaths. This is me my... trying to I was gonna say this is me trying to avoid making this all about Toronto, but yet <laughs> it is always about Toronto. Sorry. Everything is always about Toronto. <laughs> always. It can be about like the Battle of Florida and it'll still be about Toronto. So uh, I'm I'm sorry, because in our in our chat, Cassie kept reprimanding me because her disdain for Tampa is well understood by all the rest of us, but I I can't. I I just can't. You're supposed to use your powers for good. No, I am not. No, no. I'm not going to praise Mitch Marner when it means that Toronto is getting out of the... I'm not going to... Not praise. I'm not going to... What's the inverse of praise? Um, I'm not going to drag Mitch Marner. Yeah, that works. Um, Critical? I'm not going to drag Marner's ridiculous asinine contract so he goes off because he monitors me um, <laughs> so that he goes off and then Toronto wins in the first round only to get, you know, walked in the... No, because this was their Stanley Cup. Getting this was Toronto's Stanley... Yes, because it's been so long and and everyone kept saying, this is the team, this is the team... And it, you know, still wasn't. It, it kind of still. No, wasn't. no, no, no. It it was the team, but was it the coach? Because somebody got um, oh, what's the word? Outclassed by his contemporary on the other side. Sorry, Cassie. To, you know. <laughs> I I I I will grudgingly admit that the Cooper um does seem to do well with certain teams at certain times, although I, I tend to say that that's mostly the players and not Cooper, but maybe that's just me. Let's put him, let's put him in Detroit and see how he does. And I kept saying repeatedly, it just looked like Tampa was playing with their food. Honest to good, I mean, did Braden Point and Nikita Kucherov were largely non-existent right and then when they did show up that's when tampa went all you know hell-bent for leather and so it just looked like they were playing with their food because they'd be like oh you know i'm only going to play at about 80 <sighs> percent okay uh yeah i guess we better win this series and you know the last two games they just were like okay yeah yeah now it's time they're like orcas. Orcas are just the biggest dicks. <laughs> Is this commentary on Vancouver or no? I'm, I'm uh, no, he's talking about the actual animals. Oh, well, okay. a, little, a little of both, honestly. Um, <laughs> God, orcas are just bastards. Um, yeah, people think killer whales are sweet and fun and every now. 
Damn. Yeah, all, all dolphins are assholes, okay? All of them. And orcas are the largest of the dolphins. They're all assholes. They terrorize their own food just they for play. entertainment. Yep. Anyway. Um, <laughs> God, I just love Toronto. Just... Now, there doesn't seem to be the general malaise and, and blow-it-up-isms. Um across the fan base that I've seen. It's because they've gotten used to it. They've become resigned after, what, I, five years in a row? <laughs> to a certain degree, yes. But also, I think that they feel better about having pushed Tampa as far as they did and looking as good as they did. So... You know, outside of the media, who is going to have themselves a field day with a couple of players in particular, um, I don't get the sense that that Toronto fans are like fire key, fire Dumbas, you know, or Dubas, you know, trade this guy and trade this guy. You know, I I don't see a lot of that so far. So, but I'm hoping it'll come. Oh, I mean, Monday. <laughs> Monday is a new day. There probably will not be games Monday, so there's time for all of it. Uh, yeah, there's nothing worse than a gap in the news cycle during a playoff run, is there? They're, they're waiting for the exit interviews. Which will probably happen on Monday, so... Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, howdy. Unless, of fun. course, the NHL finds some some fun and, and crazy thing to uh, do a news dump with in the middle of that. No, I don't have inside information. It just seems like it would be a thing. <laughs> uh, they're, they're still prone to the Friday dump. Yeah, I know. Um, so is Connor McDavid the best player in the world or is Connor McDavid the best player in the world? And is he worth his contract and Austin Matthews' contract combined? Oh, now you're going to get Toronto all riled up. <laughs> Damn right I am. Most Someone would player. give him that contract if it was legal. Someone mm-hmm. would. And if, if someone's willing to give it to you, you're worth it. He's worth it. I'm talking best, absolute best. Best two games I've ever seen the guy play. And that's saying something, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, I kind of had to, though. <laughs> hey. I'm not saying that that's, that's a bad thing. I'm just saying that, you know, he wanted no. to. He wanted that's the, to. That's the point. Yeah. Pretty much. That's, that's exactly the point. And I feel like there are more people not to... I, w- I want to make sure I word this carefully as not to lessen just the gap between McDavid and the rest of the league. There are other guys capable of doing that for a few ships. Yeah. He took over the entire game when he yeah. was on the ice twice. Mm-hmm. 
Again, because he mean, had to. He had to. <laughs> and, but, and, and, and again, that's the point. Right. Have you I mean, that's ever, what he gets paid for, right? It's like have he gets you paid ever for watched a game where you knew the outcome before the end of the game, or, or even before the end of the first period, you could just forecast because you've seen the story before. There was there was no way Edmonton was losing game six or seven based on what I saw from McDavid alone in the first five minutes. And I will say, whatever is ailing Dreisaitl, the, the man can still pass the puck mm-hmm. and move around better than... Um, Certain other defenders who will be playing in the playoffs beyond the mm-hmm. first round. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he do, he doesn't need to skate to make that absolutely insanely gorgeous pass to Tyson Berry, who amazingly scored. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a slap shot because Tyson Berry has never met a shot from the top of the circles that he couldn't take, make a slap shot and straight into a defender. Um, <clears throat> Somehow, Cody Cece decided to copy him, although he had to come a little closer than that. Let me just take a minute to appreciate Cody Cece being the whipping boy in Toronto for all those years, going to Pittsburgh and reclaiming some of his career, coming to Edmonton and kind of solidifying himself as a marginal NHL defenseman, but still playing. And Nick Paul... Terrorizing Toronto and Ottawa, now terrorizing Toronto and Tampa. Because, God, it's just glorious, the symmetry. I love it when players, like, fade into obscurity only to come roaring back in their 30s, like, everyone out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah. I love or that. every couple of weeks, if you're Brad Marchand. Yeah, but the uh, Brad Marchand, it depends on... it. Are, you, are we talking about him just being on the ice, or are we talking about him just opening his mouth? Or are we doing both? Well, we're not going to hear from him much after Monday, so eh, it's a little of both. can't believe somebody asked Bergeron right after they lost Game 7. Oh, are you, gonna, are you going to retire? <laughs> I can. I can't. I mean, I can, but I'm just like, what do you think you're going to What kind of answer do you think you're going to get out they of them right now? <laughs> they don't care because it happens. You still, got, you still got to ask. It happens every flipping year. I know it does. And I, to every, a player, right? And every year I'm just like, okay, I get that you're not terribly inventive with your questions, but what kind of answer do you expect to be getting back from that? Oh, yeah, I'm retiring right now. Thanks. You know? Okay, so here's a question I'll pose. End of Game 7, Edmonton, LA Kings. Was Dustin Brown hugging every person as they left the ice like Bergeron was? Mm-hmm. See. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing, Cassie, is is Brown said, yeah, this is it. Right. Bergeron hasn't said anything mm-hmm. and yet did that. So now everyone's got to be like, well, is he retiring? I don't know. Someone go ask him. Yeah. It's not a typical outward response you would see from him at any given point of the game outside of, you know, when you win the cup. Right. No, and I get that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand why they did it. 
And there's been but, talk for the past couple of weeks, month, if you're around here in the Massachusetts area, a couple of months this season, um, whether Bergeron is going to retire after this season or not anyway. So I've been hearing about that for months now. I, but, I, I, I get it, Cassie. It's I, I totally get what you're saying is what kind of, you know, it's we 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 harp on this constantly. It's like, what the hell you think you're going to get an answer to that question? Right. 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 But they all do it because. At some point, one of them's gonna. One of they just feel like one of them's gonna get lucky. It's like the American dream, right? You all keep <laughs> working hard and striving for it, and doing this and doing that. You might be a billionaire, you know, at some point. And we all are like, yeah, it'll happen to us. Mm-hmm. And you spend your entire life doing the same things, and then it doesn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it might, you know. It's, it's there's just that. But it might ask yeah. the whole thing. I mean, it's, it's, it's guy thinking (laughs) and a lot of, I'm not saying it's exclusive to men. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, like male reporters are more likely to do that than female reporters are is what I'm saying is that, you know, a female reporter, I think would be more likely to say, so is there anything you would like to share with class before we, before, you know, we wrap up? in hopes that maybe he'll share something. Now it's the male reporters who are like, so are you retiring? <laughs> are you done? I don't know. I mean, I get I get why it's done. I do. But at the same time, I'm like, what are you, dumb? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know what answer you're going to get. Why? I mean, and I, and I get that they have to ask because you just never know. But at the same time, it's like, um, yeah, okay, it's going to happen to you, sure, whatever, I don't know. Um, I just find it, it just makes me shake my head is all. It's really just, just what, what, are, what are you expecting there? Because you, you got to know that that's not going to turn out the way that you think it will or hope it will. I don't know. Yeah, men reporters and their questions. Uh, I'm fighting the urge to not talk about the center of the hockey universe. So, um, who? Hey, uh, yeah. Calgary. <laughs> well, as of this recording, Calgary still needs to solve its otter problem, and <laughs> if they do that, Canada has a one in four chance. Uh. But you know what? Long live the Southeast Division. They might have a one in two chance of winning the whole thing. Someone was, uh, Scotty Waz was saying that uh, at this point, Eastern Conference, there will only be one team north of the Mason Dixon line that's still in playoffs. And then someone last night, uh, and then someone answered, yeah, well, Potentially, this was before Edmonton won. There could be no one north of Denver in the Western Conference. <laughs> so <laughs> that was that was Saturday night. Obviously, uh, Edmonton won, and and that kind of ruled that out. But um, just so you know, the Mason-Dixon line is the southern border of uh, Pennsylvania and Maryland. It's a real thing. I, people talk about it. But there you go. That's your United States history geography thing. So, anywho. And you're blowing the minds of half of our Virginia listeners, I'm sure. <laughs> hey, 
I lived in Virginia. They sort of knew. Um, what about Toronto, Pat? Coaching. Oh. Coaching? I have some questions. Uh -oh. Yeah. I have some questions about some implementations. Hmm. Oh. Hmm. Oh, just changing in strategy from the beginning of the series to the end of the series. Um, in the aforementioned group chat, I, I made mention, William Nylander and John Tavares were split up a bulk of the time, especially in home games, to create, you know, that three blended lines to, you know, balance some offense. And he seemed a little more effective then, like, when Tavares and Nylander were put together, it was easy to key in on 88, who, by all accounts, I think had a fine game. And I'm not going to begrudge anyone's game, but there were no one played poorly, but there weren't a ton of net positive plays from Toronto's point of view. Unless we want to talk about the one penalty, and I kind of don't because it didn't matter. So it makes me wonder, you know, every pass seemed to be 60, 70 feet stretched out. And part of that was Tampa was playing with its food, and those were the options left to them. But something mm -hmm. just felt off. And it yeah. just seemed like when Toronto looked at its best, it was, you know, skating the puck up through the neutral zone. It was maybe not generating high quality shot, but they were at least forcing Vasilevsky to stop play and set up offensive zone faceoffs. And there were very few of those. Yeah. By and large, it was the last two games specifically. It was funny because like you said, Pat, it, it was the 60, 70, you know, 70 foot passes like they were trying to stretch Tampa's defense. Well, you were just stretching your offense. Exactly. Because that is that is a team outside of a couple of players that needs to come up the ice in, you know, in, in numbers in some shape or form. You know, and the you times, could that, get, they, the times that they say, did is when they look dangerous. Yeah. I was going to say, when you can get Tampa in a compact situation – you're, you're looking at your best case situation, like them on the power play, they are spread out. They are moving. They are not, you know, it's not outside of the game winning goal in overtime because it was an overtime goal in game six. It wasn't a bunch of guys clustered together to generate something from nothing. No, they, they just find time and space better than you do. You know, and you could say the same of other series like Boston, Carolina, where home ice and matchups mattered because they just allowed their best players to do their best things. Five out of seven games, we'll say. Um, similar to Minnesota, St. Louis, where St. Louis just kind of was able to do whatever they wanted after probably game two. Because Minnesota just felt stretched out. Didn't know what to do outside of Kaprizov. And to be honest, I don't remember what Colorado did because they've been, you know, sitting at home for two weeks, it feels like. <laughs> Dear God. They won in three, right? Three games? 
yes. they won. They, they pretty much won they after sucked. the first game. <laughs> I just Daryl Sutter, his press conferences should be Emmy Emmy nominated. A friend of mine said that this morning because you know him to come out and say whoever plays Colorado, it's a waste of eight days. Well, you're off by one day, Daryl, but you were right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because <laughs> damn. <laughs> I mean, Nashville didn't cover the expense of either Johansson or Duchesne's contract, nor did they find the extra money to keep Forsberg. So, <clears throat> there's only one Forsberg. We don't talk. About I know, this. I know. I was, I was hoping you would let it go. Excuse me, <laughs> Philip, For, Philip Forsberg. Philip. I always Forsberg. have to stop. It's like, wait, no, he retired. Which Forsberg are we talking about? <laughs> no, there's only one Cassie. The other I know one there is, is only is, one. You know. The other ones. Like Ghostbusters Afterlife. No, there's only one Ghostbusters. You can't you can't remake, you know, you can't remake the Godfather. No, I'm sorry. There's only one Godfather. Everyone else is just, you know, the untouchables or casino. Or some other mafia movie. No, no, there's only one Godfather. And his name is. Peter Forsberg. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The um, <clears throat> we the otter. Um, I love the Caps post game. Yeah, you know, post series loss stuff. Bemoaning. That, you know, they had the same team effectively by and large that was there in 2018. What's, you know, can't figure it out. Golly, I wonder what changed. Pat, do you Four have years? <laughs> do you guys have any idea what might have changed between the 2018 Cup winning caps and, and <clears throat> the last three, four years? It couldn't have been goaltending, was it? I don't It wasn't much goaltending. I refuse to answer this question out of protest. <laughs> Could it? No. They had the same general manager. Hmm. You know, the same core group of players. I'm, I'm at a loss. Pat, you have to know the answer. You know everything, Pat. Come on, tell us. First, that is factually incorrect. I do not know <laughs> anything. I make it all up as I go along. Well, that's because it's so you sound, you sound like you know everything. How about that? Look, they have a Stanley Cup winning coach on the bench. I, I don't know what else to say. No, Barry Trotz isn't there anymore. Oh, oh, crap. That's right. Yeah, they let him win the cup and then walk. Huh? Mm-hmm. Hey, and guess what else happened to uh, Barry Trotz and his last team? Uh, the team got older and not younger, and that's not a good recipe for success. Um Let's see, Tampa Bay Lightning. Did they add any newer players the last two seasons? Or did they just roll out the exact same corpse of that guy that was great five years ago? Well, that guy that was great five years ago had a career season this year, so I'm mm-hmm. willing to give him that one. <laughs> well, no, no, no. They, they, they signed with the Islanders because that was yeah, his purview. I, yeah, I know. They'll lose I think as Lou gets older, he he miscalculates the age of the players. 
He gets older, but the age of the players stay the same, and so therefore they always seem much younger than they are, so he needs more players that are older. Lou's <laughs> uh, formula for success that he's taken with him from New Jersey and to some extent to Toronto, sort of, not really, now on the island, it can work in the regular season. But those guys are not able to adjust in a playoff series. So it has to be slow down, button up defense, and let your Brock Nelsons of the world, you know, go on a bit of an offensive tear because you were driving play collectively because you're not giving up much at the other end. But there's always going to be a certain style of team that can knock them around. The Caps... So let let let's bring the conversation back to them and the lack of a defensive-minded coach hmm. who can clamp things down and bring his goalie whisperer with them. Um, yeah, their defense just wasn't solid. They they looked like a perfectly okay-ish playoff team, but they weren't going to do anything. Florida just needed to find their legs, and they did. End of story. Well, Carter Verhage sure as hell did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Giroux certainly did the second, oh, yeah. you know, the last three games of that series. Um, yeah. And, I'm hey, a, their captain got a goal, so that's nice. I'm, I'm, uh... Good luck with that, Toronto, or Tampa. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, the Tampa Bay Maple Leafs. I got very confused certain games, which team was which. Oh, my God, the number of times people were bitching about that. I was really I was really hoping for a sequel to that, that we would get Boston and Pittsburgh. Just to keep these people going. <laughs> my oldest actually commented during the game, why is, it, why is Tampa's team on the score bug in gray? Shouldn't they be... Blue or white or just some other color, and I, I had to go into explaining color theory and why it was actually the most appropriate choice given the options that you know the designers back themselves into. But mm-hmm. that's a conversation I didn't need to have. Tampa, <laughs> you could have added some other colors to your palette. It's not even. It's not even just that. It's the damn uniforms. You know. Or nearly identical. Yes, it's yeah. it's the Detroit Red Wings yeah. uniforms in Maple Leafs colors. Yeah, yeah that's, that's why we 100 what it is. And that was all Steve Eiserman. That was unequivocally oh, yeah. all Steve Eiserman. He was the one who approved that jersey. He was the one who decided. Yep, yeah, he did the rebranding. Yep, that was all him. No, <laughs> it's not the best, but you know he got them out of their Reebok era which I think was doing them a kindness. Because they looked like glorified um, beer league templated jerseys with a um, graphic design is my passion logo, (laughs) I I would call it. With the Tampa Bay and that borderline comic sans type font, yeah. Oh, no, not even that. Just the aggressively edged lightning bolt with the state. They tried to take the fun 90s logo that was fine and make it edgier or modern. And it was just like, 
No, not for me, thank you. That's why we call them the Toronto or the Tampa Maple Wings. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's the proper team name. Because mm-hmm. one team in blue and white with a simple crest and a guy who wears number 91 and is their captain is going to win this series. <laughs> <clears throat> Good luck with that. Someone in blue and is going to win. Someone who wears blue and white. Simple. Going to win this series. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> and yes, Cassie, the other reason that I chose not to use my, my Marner power was I wanted the Battle of Florida. That's that's my only consolation, and 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 uh, um, I'm really looking forward to Florida being Tampa. <laughs> hey, I'd be if they give us. Uh, I will give. I will bake you four, cookies and send them to you if if Florida wins. <laughs> if if they give us four or five games like they did last year in the first round, oh yeah, I you know, the more the merrier. You know, as as. As bad as people think the D- Dallas Calgary series has been, which, by the way, stop saying that just because you look at the totals and see only one goal or three goals in a game. Watch the damn game because there are times that is just freaking funny hockey. Yeah. Game one, just game one. Everyone made their conclusions. Yeah. Everyone made their conclusions. Yep. <clears throat> Well, then nobody watched it because it's all mountain time or central time and East Coast is like, eh, better things to do. I'm going to go to sleep. East Coast bias. Well, it's not that we have better things to do. It's that we're um, pitiful and fall asleep during the games. Mm-hmm. But then you wake up to Connor McDavid goals. Oh, dear God, yes. More of those. More of those, please. Um. What the hell? <laughs> St. Louis and Minnesota was boring. <laughs> it was. That was and <laughs> it's because Minnesota made a mistake game one. Yeah. They started the wrong goalie, and that's not to besmirch Flurry. Talbot was objectively their best player going into the playoffs. Yeah. Hockey is Hockey is funny that way. They like they like showing respect and loyalty in giving older players or players that have been around with the team for a long time certain perks even at the expense of like, you know, them winning. But at the on the other hand, they will ruthlessly cut people and trade people so that they can win. So I, I don't quite understand what what the heck they're thinking with any of that. But um, yeah. And since you touched on it, it is 1.38 Pacific Daylight Time on May 15th. Why the hell does Peter DeBoer still have a job? <laughs> they clearly have not come to terms with their next coach. Well, Barry Trotz is, uh, you know, is right there. Some, some, it's literally right there. 
low-hanging fruit. He's right there. <laughs> is Barry Trotz just waiting for a different job? Or letting teams sweat it out to drive up his price? I mean, he has no wrong answers. He can do what he will. I was just going to say, probably a little bit of both. He is probably at the moment trying to decide what island he wants to go to rather than <laughs> thinking about any of that. <laughs> it's it's funny because, was it like two years ago? Yeah, I think it was around two years ago. Um, somebody got a picture of him at SeaTac Airport in flip-flops. Mm-hmm. And there was a whole hullabaloo that, you know, that he was in line for the the head coach job of the Seattle franchise, eventually the Kraken. And <clears throat> people completely forget that Seattle's kind of a hub city from Manitoba to the southern United States. <laughs> so, no, he was just headed down south to play golf. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like everybody, you either have to go to Vancouver or Toronto. And Toronto's the wrong direction, so you end up in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, where the hell does he... I, I, don't, I don't think it's manifest destiny for him in Winnipeg. I, don't I, wants, I agree. I don't think he wants that noise. He doesn't know what he's got. Because who knows what the hell that team's going to do. It's clear um, that... Dustin Bufflin leaving was just like a grenade in that room. And then adding Paul Stastny just, it made the mix worse. Yeah. And so not having that Bufflin type to just be the mediator or the person to strike fear in you, however you want to see it, um, they lacked. Yeah, Wait, hockey that. GMs have have no concept of uh, emotional intelligence. What? Yeah, the GM had nothing to do with Bufflin picking up his. No, 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 and... not not that. But I mean, adding people to dressing yeah. rooms that that didn't wouldn't fit. Too, too many of them sit there and go, "They'll figure it out." You know, we've got strong leadership in the room. You know, blah 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 blah. blah. Okay, sure. Well, from <laughs> what I saw from out of Winnipeg at the end of the season, uh-huh, <laughs> they, they don't. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe yeah, there's, exactly. A, there's a number of leaders in the locker room who are looking around going, yeah, I need to go. <laughs> they just got old. And then they, they never they got, found the right mix after Buffalo left. They got old quick, too, right? They did. But here's the scary thing. It's like two people. Honestly, I mean, it, it's Wheeler, 100%. And Shifley is out of his peak. And he was adequate offensively. Wheeler uh, dines out on the power play. Yeah, Shifley but, was like looking around going, I may not have to, I, you know, I don't know if I'm coming back. Not in so many words, but basically that if you read between the lines and you didn't have to read too hard. <laughs> but like. He was like, yeah, no, I want to come back. <laughs> you can look at all the Sheffield Dayoff's moves. There's not a ton you look at and say, oh, this, those aren't bad deals. They're, they just didn't work. You know, his 
remake the defense from last season on the fly, bringing in Brendan Dillon, Nate Schmidt. It's it's not a bad move. Didn't ultimately work. Yeah. That's the problem is that these guys look at it on paper and don't think about the personalities in the dressing room as to whether they're actually going to blend together or not. Yeah, but at least on defense, he was just mixing various uh, flavors of vanilla. Up front, probably bringing back Paul Stastny was the uh, the grenade. Oh, and also just it's time to turn it over to Connor and maybe Dubois if you can jettison a, a guy or two. I think they got themselves into trouble by forgetting the archetypes. He went to fix his defense uh, without okay. I see where you're going. he needed on defense. Because Nate Schmidt and Brendan Dillon are two very different types of players. Um, and I don't think they needed either one of them. Because they kind of had that in Morrissey. Yeah. Exactly. Or at least they have the positive attributes from each of those individuals kind of in a combo with one player. Yeah, and you get guys out of their roles. You know, it's it's like all this stuff you constantly hear in the you know, management seminars, you know, put put, put people in position to succeed, you know assess their strengths and weaknesses and blah, blah, you know, no, as stupid as it sounds, it kind of rings true. No, that's why they keep saying it. Yeah. There's some truth to it, although there's not as sometimes much you, truth to it as they like to think. <laughs> sometimes you have to push people outside of their comfort zone to get them to take on different roles. And, you know, you shouldn't be, it, it's that conundrum, right? If they're only going to do one thing and you do it great. Okay, fine. But, you know, what happens when I need you to do something else right. type thing. So how about you push yourself and go learn how to do something else? You might not be great at it, but you can be better. You don't want a one trick pony. Right. Unless that pony is Connor McDavid and his trick is everything. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's, that's, that's not a one trick pony. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's one trick. It's just everything is a trick to him. Okay. But back to the Jets. Nick Ehlers goes down. That, that whole team went to shit. Yeah. And so many teams that look great on paper, there's always that one lynch pit. There's always, if everything goes right, or if this one thing goes wrong, it can all go seriously wrong. Which is it, horrible thinking because you should be you should be setting his team up for you know preparing for failure, right? So you having should, contingencies like right. if player X goes down, how do we adjust? Because when you look at the rest of their roster, they have a bunch of fourth liners or castaways playing as fourth liners, and then a bunch of old guys. And I'm looking at you, Blake Wheeler, who are playing inflated roles. I think Connor, Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley were fine. Pierre-Luc Dubois, perfectly fine. Nick Ehlers is great. 
everybody else, it's kind of like me because I play maybe 14 minutes, 10 to 14 minutes a game. And what do I really do here? They don't have a third line scoring setup. So can you imagine exit interviews if if you're like the coach and you're talking to the players and first thing you ask is, so what do you do here? <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, I take the puck from the defenseman and I hand it to the forward. Because I could see, I could see a heck of a lot of blank looks going on with that question. It's like, uh, I do what you tell me to. It's like, you so, know, but what do you do here? It's like, I do what you tell me to. It's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and the only one you might get an honest response from is Cole Perfetti, who's like, I don't freaking know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, boy. But he he might have a good answer next uh, next camp when he's with a new team. Mm. Oh. Oh, really now? <laughs> what? Huh. A, a, a GM who made some moves that didn't work out, doubled down on, you know, their less than advantageous moves. Moving out young talent before you know what you have in a in a panic. Although Shelville Dayoff has a job for life, he is not going to panic. He'll just get the boot upstairs. Oh, we're still talking about Winnipeg. I thought you were talking about Toronto for a second. No, I'm trying to avoid it. It's unavoidable. They are unavoidable. They're the Borg. Resistance is futile. So they're going to get trots is what you're saying. No. <laughs> because that that philosophy is the Borg in a nutshell. Because unfortunately, uh, Boudreaux is off the table. He's staying in... Staying yeah. in Vancouver. Yeah, there's all kinds of bad. I was I was on Twitter when Trotz got you know right after Trotz got fired, and I saw a couple of different people say, "So should they go after Quinville or Babcock?" And I'm just like, "I'm sorry, what?" I almost like unfollowed them right there. <laughs> well, Andrew Burnett has just proven Joel Quinville is redundant. Right. Yeah. He's perfectly fine. And maybe some of the reasons Bobrovsky struggled. Who's to say? Yeah. Um, In Quinville's coaching defense, not managing of people defense, because I will not do that. Um, (laughs) There's no defense for that. (laughs) He can do things like Cooper where he can actually strategize when he needs to to outperform another team and their playing philosophy. But Florida really doesn't need that right now. They really don't. They've got, Burnett does it just fine. As long as he can correct whatever was up with um, Aaron Eckblad in game six, then they'll be fine. Yeah, I don't know what the hell was going on there. He was a bit off and on the game tying goal, questionable defense in front of Bobrovsky, where I feel like he pushed the goal scorer into perfect position. A little bit. Um, And then kept a barrier between himself and said goal scorer. It it was an odd sequence that I just watched on repeat, and it was just like, huh. 
Are you high, Aaron? <laughs> what you doing? I mean, they were in the district. That thing is that that sort of thing is legal now, right? In the district, I don't know what's legal in the district anymore. I don't know. It is the district, but yeah, um, coaches, uh, just get a decent AHL guy up and coming who knows how to talk to young players, and you're gold. Huh. Wait, not not get a retread, not get someone that you know, not get not get like a, a buddy or or your brother-in-law or um, somebody you used to play with and, and hire them. Wait, does, is that legal? Can you do that? It is. So Wait. I think one of the few fringe um, benefits we can say of the last two years and the league's economic situation um Owners are actually looking at some bottom lines because, well, they have to actually worry about cash flow and not just uh, franchise valuations right now. And so maybe they won't go crazy and um, throw contracts at coaches that really don't need it. Deserve it, I think is a better word. Well, do any of them deserve it? Prove to me that you can coach. <laughs> Prove to me that you do like, coach. <laughs> I will say Peter Laviolette has his strengths as a coach, and he can he can maximize a team's potential by taking them to multiple Stanley Cup finals in different situations. He won once. The other two times, his team was clearly the underdog. That impresses me. How many other guys are are taking teams to multiple Stanley Cup finals? Oh, not God, in their please. first year. Not Thank in their you. first Thank year. You. <laughs> Thank you. Thank I, you. I had Thank to clo- I had to close that loophole um, <laughs> very quickly. Mm-hmm. But like, there are no Scotty Bowmans who can, after a few years, and you had a few Hall of Famers, can win a Stanley Cup with a different roster. You know, look at how Montreal turned around when you put your most talented players in different situations and you kind of ride them. You you take the mistakes with the successes, but then you just you just let them roam and then you just pull them in when they need to be pulled. Say, OK, you know, you can't go end to end here, Cole, but. You, I like where your instincts are. You know, Detroit's next coach will be interesting because it's now how do we allow Cider and um, player who is, yes, thank you. I forgot his name because he was left off the Calder ballot. Because but, Toronto. <clears throat> uh, yeah, he earned it. He, he, he earned it. Zegris was, oh, they just remembered the fun goals. He, he was great and then fell off with the team. My goodness, it's like team stats rely on more than one player to prop you up, unless you're Connor McDavid. Huh. The word experience has come up the whole frickin' playoffs. Gain it, gain it, gain it. Experience is only good if you do something with it. If you're just going to go home and throw it in the closet, whether you're young or old, it's useless. 
So our younger players, whether they played in the series, whether you played in the series or not, you gained experience. So what are you going to do with it now? And that's why next year, starting tomorrow, it's going to be one tough year based on the experience that I have. And they will be told that. And there is a lot of growing up that some of them need to do. And they can do it. And they will do it. Okay, that's settle Todd. down, Todd. That's, settle down. That's Todd McClellan <laughs> talking specifically to a couple of players. And that's exactly what I wanted to hear from him. I, I, I was in a discussion with a, with a Kings fan last night after I retweeted that and said, you know, tell me you're talking to Quentin Byfield without telling me you're talking to Quentin Byfield. Um, <clears throat> kid's only 19. You know, had to have been eating them to sit there after game two, you know, benched, scratched after game two, playing, you know, whatever. Um, this year was a gift, was an absolute gift to the Kings. Getting the playoff run in, going to seven games, yeah, it was an absolute gift. Because that's going to help accelerate players like Turcotte, Byfield, Dursey, and Peterson. And that, you know, I like like I said to like I said to to him last night, my friend. I said this, you know, that comment wasn't about this year. That comment was about the next three years. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's coaching. <laughs> Only if the coach follows up the following year with the same thing. It's like, okay, so what did you learn from last year? Yeah, and and Mm -hmm. that's basically, hey, what did you learn? You see what they were doing down there? I want you to do better than that. Let's go work on how how you can be better than that. Because you weren't good enough to be in that lineup. Yeah, I was about to say the same thing. He sees that potential. I know you can be better than what this guy is doing, but this guy can do it right now and you can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why that those last two sentences, I think, were, were probably the best. And those weren't being the ones necessarily circulated either. Right. You know, and they can do it and they will do it. There's, there's a lot of growing up that some of them need to do, and they can do it, and they will do it. Um, I think Todd got absolutely railroaded in Edmonton. But he left them a gift. They didn't fire Jay Woodcroft when they let McClellan go. They let him go learn the, now you've learned the lesson. What are you going to do with this? And then he yeah. went to the AHL. Exactly. They had sent him to the AHL. Um, and just to bring up your point earlier, Pat, about, you know, give me a guy that can go down to the A and talk to the kids. And, you know, because the game has to get younger just because of the salary cap constraints. And mm-hmm. now that you're doing that, hey, give me a guy that knows how to deal with that. Well, hey, look what happened when Tom. When when Jay got up there, you know, hmm. imagine that. <clears throat> and that let's take that same parallel. And now look at Minnesota next year. 
Dean Evison, what did he do? He was an assistant coach for a little bit of time. Had issues with Kevin Fiala in, in where was it? Milwaukee. Milwaukee. He had a a small gap between NHL stints before he was a uh, an assistant for the Wild. So is he going to be able to handle all the the young entry level guys that are coming up? It's going to be interesting for the next two seasons. In the next four seasons for Minnesota, because well, they're gonna they're gonna have to go dirt cheap, which means they're gonna they're gonna be playing some youngins. Which you play them as you saw with LA, you play them with one or two carefully selected veterans. And I'm basically saying Philip to know. Yeah. Right now. And you can put them in great positions to win. Because clearly how I know why, but Kaprizov would have been on my MVP ballot. Um, cause he's a bit of a one man show. Like he has some yep. talent, but he gets more, he produces more relative to the talent around him than many other players that you will see on, you know, getting votes when they're revealed in a few weeks. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think you'll see him with, a sprinkling of votes in there. But how many second and third places? I don't think will enough. be my question. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think enough because you're 100% right if you, you know, if you read the definition of the award, if you take <clears> him <throat> out of Minnesota, Minnesota's back to being what everyone said Minnesota was, right? That Which mid- to me, that should be like that should be the test, right? You yeah. take a guy out of the lineup, well, what's that lineup like then? Yeah, just you you take Crosby out of Pittsburgh. Well, they still got Malkin, mm-hmm. and Malkin loves it when Crosby isn't there, because then he gets to be top dog, and he goes and proves that he kind of can be top dog. Sometimes you take Matthews out of Toronto, and they hardly missed a beat. Mm-hmm. You take Connor out of Edmonton, it gets goofy. Well, you you take you take Malkin out of Pittsburgh, and it, they don't miss anybody either. So <laughs> yeah, because they, because only one of them is allowed to be injured at a time, generally. Right. So, and, yeah. You know, yeah. You you take um, McKinnon out of Colorado, they don't miss much. And they proved it. Yeah. A lot this year. Oh. Yeah. Okay. God damn it! I'm 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 gonna go hack some ballots and. That should be that should be the test. I don't understand why people. Well, I do understand why people, but people who vote on these things tend to do the oh they're the best player on their team rather than yeah but if you take them out of the lineup then what happens? It's the shiny quarter. I know. Yeah. Well, and it's works. great to have some shiny stuff. Yeah, it is. And Matthews is probably going to get more first place votes than he deserves simply because he scored 60 goals this year. Mm-hmm. And all the hype train around Toronto finally having a player that scored 50 goals in a season, much less 60. Yeah. <clears throat> okay, congratulations. You know, had a hell of a season. Not denigrating it, but. Right. But were you really the best player on his team? 
Well, I mean, yeah, you take him out of the lineup, what happens? <laughs> really missing kind of didn't six, missing much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, missing 60 goals, so yeah, that's a that's a big ding. But on the other hand, it's like, yeah, they didn't really miss him much, so. Nope. Now you take Austin Matthews and swap him for Ryan Hartman and see what happens to Minnesota. You swap Kirill Kaprizov for, let's say, Mitch Marner. Wilder in trouble, folks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big time. Mm-hmm. It's one thing to play with extremely talented players and produce. It's another to play with good players and 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 produce above and beyond what you would expect. So, needless to say, I'll be interested to see Mike Russo's uh, MVP ballots. <laughs> oh, excuse me, Hart Trophy. Because you might call him a homer. He has an argument to make. Yeah, he does. Mm-hmm. He's he's not the troller like mm-hmm. some of the no. Boston guys are from time to time. No. But you know what? Matthews will probably win just based on East Coast bias and narratives. And you know what? He had a fantastic season. He did. Connor might have some other hardware he can he can hoist if they can get out of this next round. Let Matthews have the Maurice Richard trophy. That's fine. Yeah. He's got, I mean, he gets he gets a trophy to reward him for the fantastic season he had. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the most valuable player on his team. And his team. Connor Connor will also be getting a nice piece of hardware for the season that he had because, um, yeah, they're going to give him the Lindsay. He'll win the Lindsay in a walk. Yeah. He's got the Art Ross, too. Yeah. And the There has been a gap between these two players, and Matthews closed that gap this year. At a time where... Hang on, hang on. In the regular season. Yes. At a time where (laughs) Connor was... He was merely a good player. At that time. But for all we know, he was just... Definitely a back a notch. And not trying to do what he did the last two games and will the team out of a... Garbage losing streak. When was that? Back in December, January? Right before they fired Tippett, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then they slowly adjusted things naturally. And, oh, look at the end of their regular season. Oh, Mike Smith's playing what? It wasn't because McDavid had to will them out. They just naturally changed a few things. Optimized. Yeah. Something a coach should do. Woodcroft wasn't riding McDavid and and Drysaddle for 25, 30 minutes a night. He he took the foot off the gas with those two. Mm -hmm. And And the guys in Toronto kind of riding them a little bit, just trying to keep them engaged at the end of the regular season. They played well early, 
through game five of the first round series against Tampa, and then Oof. that was it. Now they scored. They scored in game six, but oh, it was they a, weren't the impact. Riley players. goal was that Riley goal in seven was beautiful. You know the touch touch Riley score. Yeah, that was that was gorgeous. You know, one but of the because, few opportunities. But, yeah. yeah. But when they were spread out, you, you're you're taking away all the skill and talent. <laughs> and then you contrast that to what Connor did in that goal last night. Woo, man. Oh. Yeah, I, it, it almost looks like he, he did the Michael Jordan thing, right? And I took that personally, you know? Yeah. And Larry Bird was the same way, too. I've watched a number of videos the last month or so where, you know, like 10 times that people regretted making Larry Bird mad, you know, because he'd just go out and light you up. And it just sort of feels like McDavid has found that switch. Okay. you th- Okay. Oh, uh, you know. Okay, we're done here. I'm done mm-hmm. playing nice, you mm-hmm. know? Yeah. Whereas and Matthews I, hasn't found that yet. Yeah. Like he can score. He plays well when he gets engaged physically, but Tampa didn't give him that chance. Yeah, I, 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 I not well, again as much as I despise Tampa or Toronto. Uh, Matthews was fantastic. At, he really played a lot more physical this year and in the playoffs, and I'd seen him play before. He's using that frame. You know, he's using his size. Um, but my God, that McDavid goal. <laughs> I mean, that just the, the two seconds he was behind the goal line and the board work that he did just in that yeah. brief moment of time was fantastic. And that was just. And then he shot again. Will. And then he had to do another thing to score. Yeah, that was just. The 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 Sidney Crosby goal in Game Five, where it, you can see it coming from a mile away, that was going to end up in a goal because there was three Rangers around Crosby, and Crosby still kept getting the puck and getting the puck and then getting the puck as he kept driving towards the net. It just seemed to follow him, and I was sitting there going, "This is going to end badly for the Rangers," and sure enough. You know, it was a glorious goal because it just, he willed, you know, metaphorically willed it into existence. And that was Connor last night with that goal. No, 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 no. This is mine. I am (laughs) going to score type thing. And I've yet to see that from those other guys. You know, Put put the put that bull terrier tenacity of Crosby into Connor McDavid and get the hell out of the way. It's lights out. You know, he's had that will, but he hasn't had the demonstrable like you know, grr type moment. And the way he celebrated afterwards, you could just tell that was like, yeah, you know, like Hulk, Hulk smash. <laughs> God, I love watching that kid play. <laughs> it's just, well, 
Now we get at least, I'll be honest, at least six more games of it. Probably more, based on what I've seen from the other series. I don't, if Dallas wins, woof. Yeah, I was going to say, it depends on which, who wins that next series tonight. Yeah, if Calgary wins, oh, hell yeah. If Calgary wins, it's going to seven. Oh, it's going to a quadruple overtime in game seven, too. It's just dull. And I fully they, expect Markov, not Markov, um, Markstrom. Markstrom and, and Mike Smith have a goalie fight. <laughs> I want this in the world. <laughs> If it's Dallas, though, it'll probably be five or six Edmonton. <laughs> mm, might even be less. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, just, yeah. It depends on which Mike Smith shows up, though. Well, anyway. Okay. I'm out of ideas. Connor McDavid MVP. <laughs> oh, you lied. That, that that wasn't an idea. That's something I've had for a long time. All right. Anyone got anything else? Bueller? Bueller? Go Penguins? Yeah, shut up. <laughs> what? You're telling me you don't want to see him take the torch officially from, from Crosby in the Stanley Cup final? Eh, the Penguins won't make it that far. I know, but weirder things have happened, like Montreal going to the final and then getting the first overall draft pick. Yeah, but Montreal played against Toronto, so you knew it was going to happen because it's Toronto. <laughs> well, I mean, both both Carolina and Florida, they're full of Pittsburgh transplants. Think Weirder things have happened. Go Panthers. Let's have a Panthers avalanche rematch. That's what I have on my, my bracket. <laughs> there you go. That's my final in my bracket is uh, Florida in Colorado. And it's going and I have Florida winning it this time. Yeah, that's a tough thing with the West Coast. All those teams have won cups. Because they don't have Peter Actually, Forsberg. <laughs> Is Florida the only team alive who hasn't won the cup? I think so. Oh. All right, go Cats. Yeah, actually, they are. It's kind of weird when you think about it. Well, so here's the here's the fun thing is that um, the last time that Florida won a playoff series was 1996. Yeah. The year I started as a contractor. And 1996 is when Florida went to the Stanley Cup final against um, the Colorado Avalanche yeah. and Patrick Waugh's revenge tour. Uh, every tour for Patrick Waugh was a revenge tour. <laughs> well, this one was, was particularly revengeful, though, because it was I, 1996. <laughs> I just, I only have one request, Hockey Gods. Should you not allow... Florida to win it, and let's say Colorado wins it all, which would be fantastic. Please let them do it on home ice so we don't have to see that god-awful color combo lifting the cup. Mm. Yeah, the cup almost never gets won on home ice, though. Just ask Sidney Crosby. <laughs> you got a 50-50 shot at it. 
Mm. Everything in life's 50-50. You either do it or you don't. And if you hesitate, that's as good as not. Yeah. But if you hesitate, the moment's gone, so you can't do it again. Right. Can't hesitate. You just have to go for it. All right. So is that uh, it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to pull a plug <laughs> before I get, like, way esoteric here. <laughs> all, right, all right. So we're done then. Um, love, yeah. luck, love luck in the lollipops. Connor McDavid, MVP. <laughs> podcast follow us on twitter at 3v3 podcast we're available for nhl consulting at reasonable fees